Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Doing well? Yeah. All right, man. If you had a good time this far, let's just give the Lord praise today. Amen. If you got your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 16. We're going to be there here in just a few short moments. Uh, but before we dive into the message today, I do want to just take a moment uh, for a few things. Number one, I want to welcome everybody that's joining us online as well today. Man, we're so excited that you guys are here with us and catch us each and every week. And so uh, we want to encourage you to be a part, comment, uh, make some uh, noise in the chat, whatever you need to do there. But uh, just let us know that you're here and a part, and we welcome you this morning praying today that it serves you well. Also, I want to celebrate a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, I want to thank you guys so much for being awesome and bringing candy. Uh, you guys overdid yourself, all right? And so, man, we had a great, great response and people bringing candy. Uh, we had the Oak Ridge City event this went, or this Friday night, excuse me, this Friday night, and I appreciate uh, those that planned and went and set up and prepared uh, our tent and everything, and those who came and served uh, the event. It was an incredible time. Uh, I think they told me there was around like 3,000 people at the city that we got to you know, interact with. And uh, so, man, it was just a great, great time together. And man, just wonderful time. Got to meet a lot of people, talk to a lot of people, and just so grateful, so thankful for our church and our heart to uh, make a difference in our community. The other thing that I want to remind you guys of, coming up on November the 19th, this is something that we've done every year for about, I guess, the last five years. Uh, we call it our Big Gift Offering. It's above and beyond our tithes and offerings, and we take that up in November. Uh, and everything that we take up, we uh, use for something, some project that we have going on here at the church. Obviously, if you look outside, there's a building project going on, and so anything that's given towards that will go to that. Uh, we're getting at about a halfway point in completion of that. Um, we uh, have uh, about $450,000 to go to really finish everything. We've got to put the electrical in. We've got to put the HVAC in. We've still got to do some excavating. We've still got to uh, put parking and pavement out here, uh, the panels on the interior of the wall, building the stage, the sound booth, all that kind of stuff and everything. Uh, so we've got a little bit of a ways to go. So anything that you give or contribute will go towards directly to that. And uh, so it's a, a little bit more than we anticipated of having to get to a halfway point because uh, we had a budget around of like 675000 was kind of what we were shooting for. Uh, but with the things the city has required us to do as just far as the retention area and the drainage and putting stone around the building and some of the other things that we had to do added an increase about 250000 to the budget. So we just had to do what we had to do because we needed to do it. And so uh, we'll get there eventually, but you guys be praying and just uh, seeking what the Lord would have you to give towards that. Last year, you guys were incredible. Uh, we, over the last year, we've taken in about 110000 just for the big gift from last year. So I uh, really do appreciate you guys. So you guys just pray about that. And as the Lord provides, we will continue to do that and just maybe look at some opportunities to where that we can get this thing completed uh, so that we can get in there. And uh, But when we do, it's going to be a great, great time. But until then, we'll just have a great, great time right here. Okay. All right. All right. So if you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 16, going to be an incredible time together today. I uh, hope and pray that you're excited about being here this morning. Now, uh, if you have been here the last couple of weeks, man, I know that you've really enjoyed. A lot of people tell me, like, man, I've so enjoyed the last couple of weeks. Because what we've been talking about, we've been doing a series entitled The Dash. 
And so we've talked about, just to recap just a little bit, every tombstone, right, it has a beginning date and it has an end date. And when you look in the middle of those two dates, there is a dash. And that represents the life that was lived during that period of time. And we talked about how that we're all going to experience death at some point in time. And everybody's going to face with it. And it's a hard thing to think about. It's a hard thing to comprehend. But it's also a reality that we're going to spend eternity somewhere. And so we talked about how heaven is a real place. The first week we talked about how heaven's a legitimate place. It's a prepared place for prepared people. It's not a figment of our imagination that Jesus has went to prepare a place for us, that where he is, there we may also be. And one day we're going to be with him, right? When we breathe our last breath, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, when you breathe your last breath, I believe the scripture is true when it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so then week two, we talked about what are those new bodies going to look like, right? We talked about bodies by Jesus, if you will, right? Uh, that was about as creative as I could come up with. But we looked in the scripture in Corinthians as Paul was writing a letter to the church of Corinth and talked about like when the resurrection takes place and we have a new body, what will it be like? And so we looked at that 40-day period of what Jesus's body was like uh, after he was risen from the dead. And we gleaned some things. So listen, if you, got, if you missed the first two weeks, Go find our Facebook page. Go to our website, milestonechurch.cc. Find our media page there. Go watch those couple of sermons and uh, get caught back up with us. But if you're just coming for the first time, man, you picked a great day to come because guess what we're talking about? We're going to talk about hell today. Everybody say awesome. <laughs> Woo! But we're going to talk about it, right? It's getting hot in here, right? Anyway, I'm just kidding. But no, we're going to talk about, like we're going to talk about, it's very uncomfortable to talk about. Just let me say this. There's a million things I would rather preach about, rather talk about, than what I'm going to talk about today. But I feel obligated and believe that I am obligated to teach and preach the whole truth, right? Not just a portion of the truth, not just what we want to hear. But the Bible speaks a great deal about this. We talked about what you do with Jesus the question you answer concerning who Jesus is will determine where you spend eternity. I believe, and I believe the scripture teaches, that if you know Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you've surrendered your life, if you've repented of your sins and you've called out to the Lord, I believe God forgives us, I believe God cleanses us, I believe God watches, washes us white as snow, and I believe that we are saved, we are forgiven, we're part of the family of God. And I believe that when we die, that we're going to spend eternity in heaven. Not because we're awesome, not because we've done enough good things, not because we've had enough scripture memorized over the course of our dash, if you will, but because of the finished work of what Jesus did. We've surrendered, we've put our faith, we've put our trust in that. And I'm going to give you the definition of what I mean by faith. I shared this with our first service this morning, and this is my definition throughout time. Like, I believe this is a simple way of really defining what faith is all about. But faith is simply believing that God is telling the truth. God said it. God put this in motion. I believe that. I'm standing on that. I'm proclaiming that. I'm holding on to that. I'm believing that God is telling the truth. And God said that if you ask him to forgive you, he will be faithful to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And I believe in that moment that, listen, you've written your name in the, the Lamb's book of life is what we read about in heaven. Or we didn't write it down, but in heaven it's written down. And we have a hope. We have a certainty that's real, that's tangible. And we know that heaven is true. But also I believe there is a hell. 
I believe the scripture is very, very clear that it teaches about hell. It's very uncomfortable to talk about. So my goal today is not to scare anybody. My goal today is not to make you feel like a horrible person or anything of that nature, right? It's not my responsibility to, to, to degrade or demean somebody. I'm just going to tell you what the Scripture says and what the Scripture holds true and what the Scripture communicates. And so I want to communicate that to you. But my goal today is not to make you feel like a horrible person. But I do believe oftentimes conviction is uncomfortable, like when the Holy, not oftentimes, it is uncomfortable. Like when the Holy Spirit convicts you, like when we're not right with God, when we're not walking with God, the Holy Spirit will convict you. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it is uncomfortable. It makes you uncomfortable because God is telling you, God is communicating to you that, listen, you're off to the right or you're off to the left. And you need to align yourself up with what is true. That you need to repent. You need to call out to God. You need to give this to the Lord. And so whenever we're under conviction, right, it can be a little bit uncomfortable. But today, I hope and pray that you have nailed down some things in your life. Because what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Like, that's why I want you to know. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. I believe that there is a real heaven, but I also believe that there is a real hell. And I don't just believe that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. I believe people who have been redeemed, I believe people who have been forgiven by the grace of God, who have repented of their sins, get to experience heaven. And I believe those who reject the Lord's grace and mercy will spend eternity in hell. And you know what? There's going to be some good people here. And there's really not any good here. Does that make sense? Because the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve God's grace. We haven't done anything to earn God's favor. Right? But there's going to be people that we know, people that we love, that are going to experience something different in eternity. And what you truly believe about eternity will really truly determine how you live today. I came across a statistic. It said that 74% of Americans believe in heaven. But only 4 in 10 believe that those who don't know Christ will spend an eternity in a place called hell. It's hard for us to comprehend. It's hard for us to fathom. It's hard for us to imagine. But Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. He says, listen, there's going to be people go through two gates. There's going to be through some people who experience some things in life. But Jesus is commanding people and encouraging people. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. So in other words, do what you want. Live like you want. Think what you want. Believe what you want. Go about your own business. Do it your own way. That gate is very, very wide. And many people go through that. But what Jesus is talking about, oh, I want you to go through the narrow gate and I want you to go through me. I want you to put your faith in me because he says, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And then he says, only a few find it. Now, here's some things that I want to answer as we dive into this, okay? Because I think obvious the question for a lot of us is, if God's a loving God, and we know that God is love, right? We know we can read in Scripture, it says God is love. We love because God first loved us. We read other passages of Scripture, and like Romans 5, 8, it says, for God demonstrated what? 
his love for us that while we were yet sinners. So he didn't just say, I love you. He acts upon his love. His love calls him to action. We read in another passage of scripture that's very familiar to us all in John 3, 16, for God so loved the what? He loved the world that he gave, again, his love in action. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, right? So in other words, God desires for nobody to perish from his presence. God's desire is for nobody to spend eternity in hell. I want you to understand that. I want you to get that. God truly is love. But it brings the question, if God is love, then why does hell exist? Why does, why does this have to be in existence? Why does it have to be a choice between the two? Why can't just everybody go to heaven just like all dogs go to heaven, right? Like we, why can't just people do that, right? We know cats where they go. But anyway, I'm just saying, but like I was, some of y'all might be a cat lover. I'll probably get, hey, listen, just so you know, I've got four cats at my house, all right? So it's all good. I love cats. Just a joke, all right? Just a joke. I heard somebody say it one time, and I thought it was funny, so I shared it with you. And it worked, so anyway, it was good. But why can't we? Like, why can't everybody just do their own thing and wind up in heaven with God? I mean, that just seems logical. I mean, it seems fair, right? It's like, because we know a lot of good people. And, but why does God allow a hell to exist? Well, here's one of the things that I want you to write down. I believe that's a fair question. I believe that's one that deserves an answer. But what you should know when we read Scripture, hell exists. Here's the primary reason that hell exists. For God to deal righteously with Satan. This is why hell exists. It was the intention for God to deal righteously with the devil. Now, many of us, when we think about the devil, we think about a little guy running around with a red suit and pitchfork and on a can of deviled ham, right? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you have bought that and ate that, you know? But the scripture talks about how he is the epitome, that he is the embodiment of all evil. He's the father of lies. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He is our spiritual en enemy. Behind every addiction is our spiritual enemy. Behind abuse, every bit of fear, all pain, shame, it comes from the prince of darkness, the father of all lies. He's the destroyer, the deceiver, the dark angel, and he is a real adversary. And the scripture describes him as a lion walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. Like, we have a real adversary. We have a real battle that takes place and transpires. I'm not trying to be weird this morning. I'm just trying to be biblical with you today, okay? This is what the Scripture says, is that we have a real battle that's taking place. And we have a real adversary. And hell was created for Satan and the angels that followed him. And it describes that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. It says, and the devil, there's going to come a day where the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophets had been thrown. They will be tormented night and day forever. So hell exists for Satan and the angels that followed him. But also now, because of sin, because again, like I want you to go back in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, when God created the heavens and earth and he created man, there was perfect fellowship, there was perfect harmony between God and man. And it was the way that God intended it. But what happened? Man sinned and the world became fallen. Man came fallen. We talked and unpacked last week about how from that point on, we're all born into sin. 
Every single one of us have a sin nature. That's why the scripture says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have sinned. The problem with that is, is God is holy, God is just, God is perfectly righteous. And those two things, brokenness, fallen, sinful, don't mesh with holy, perfect, and righteous. So God has to deal, God has to judge sin. So now, in his perfect righteousness and goodness and mercy, not only does hell exist for those, for Satan and his angels, but also hell now exists for God to deal, and here's the word I want you to get, righteously with unbelievers. One of the things that I talked about last week, and I want you to, I want you to understand this, because like, here's where it gets really complicated. Like when we talk about hell and we talk about it being for Satan and his angels that followed him, we get it's like, that's all right, absolutely, let's close the door, let's shut it. But then we start talking about people, those who don't believe. It kind of gets complicated for us a little bit because here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me. A lot of you know people who are great, wonderful people, right? Some of you may even live next door to him, but they don't know the Lord. They don't have a relationship with the Lord. Well, let me tell you something, okay? Here's what the scripture teaches, and this is what I believe. I believe that if a person dies without Jesus, they split hell wide open. And I also want you to know that I believe that it breaks the heart of God for anybody. So we say, like, well, God, why would God do this? Because, like, again, it's hard because, like, you know, you think about your neighbor, right? Your neighbor's a good person, right? They, you, you love them. You care for them, right? They make you brownies sometimes, right? And they're good brownies, right? They watch your dog. They, they, they make sure that everything's taken care of. Like, how in the world could God do that to somebody like them. Here's what I want you to understand. God does not send anyone to hell. I want you to hear me. God does not send anyone to hell. God is love. God is merciful. God is good. I want you to know this morning that God is for you. God desires for you to be a part of his family. God does not send anyone to hell, but God also is just. God also is righteous, and he has to deal with sin. He has to deal with unbelief, and Jesus made a way. God loved us enough that he sent his son Jesus so that everybody could be part of the family of God. That's why it's so important, because when I say that what you believe about eternity really, truly determines how you live today. Because when you put it in that perspective, if I really believe, if I really truly believe, and I do, that what the Bible teaches and preaches, that just as if there is a heaven, there is a hell. And if I really believe that there is a hell, and I really believe that there's going to be people that I love, that I know, that I care about, who wind up there, it's going to compel me to spend time in prayer, praying for their soul, but also praying for opportunities for me to be able to communicate the gospel, share with them the truth about Jesus so that they can know and experience God's grace. 
it's going to change my whole way of thinking. But I'm afraid a lot of us, and again, I'm not trying to get all up in your grill today, but I may. Because I think we kind of have this passive thought well, I'll just do my thing and be about my business and go about my way and it'll all work out in the end. Well, yeah, we're all going to stand before the Lord, but it may not work out for everybody. And I can't control whether or not somebody gives their life to Jesus. But I have the responsibility, and it's not just a responsibility, it's a privilege to be able to tell people about what Jesus did in my life, in my heart, and that if he did it in my life, in my heart, he can do it in your life and will do it in your life, in your heart. Because what they believe about Jesus determines where they spend eternity. Think about it just for a moment. Listen, I get it. We live in a culture today to where that we don't want to be aggressive, that we don't want to be up in the face, and we don't want to come across as brash or arrogant. And by no means am I an advocate of that in any way. But I do believe if we pray for God-given opportunities, God, would you give me an opportunity to share your love, to share your grace, to share your mercy? Listen, there's not a day that I pray that, that God doesn't open the door somewhere, somehow, some way. You know why? Because I believe that's what God wants. People are on the heart of God. But check this out, what it says in Romans. It says, how can people know unless they what? Hear. And how can they hear unless somebody what? Tells them. Well, who's going to tell them? The preacher? Well, I'm going to do the best I can. But it doesn't just end with the guy that's up on stage or whoever's up on stage, gal, whoever. It doesn't end with them. It's on all of us as believers. We have a responsibility. We have a privilege of being able to tell other people about that. Amen? So here's what I need you to know and understand. God doesn't send anybody hell. But it's impossible for God to be holy without him being just. And that's the truth that we need to understand. Okay. Look at your neighbor and say, listen fast. Go ahead. I know what you're thinking. Look at your other neighbor and say, I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> no, you're... I know that. I know you're not thinking that. I know that. Let's go to Luke chapter 16. Here's what we're going to look at a glimpse. Jesus tells a story. Some people have debated for a long, long time whether this is a parable, a parable being an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, or if this is a real story that Jesus is talking about. Here's the truth of the matter. We don't really know, but I know that it's in the scripture and that we can learn and that we can glean some things for it because even if it's a parable, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning and it has powerful spiritual truth for us today. And Jesus is driving a point home at this moment and this time. All right, stay right here with me. In verse 19, it says, Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in what? In luxury. So this guy, he was clothed. I mean, he, he, was, he was all that in a bag of chips. I mean, he had everything that life could possibly offer. He was rich. I mean, he was absolutely rich. He had everything that you could ever want. He had everything that you could ever need. He had the nicest clothes that you could possibly buy. He had the finest of the finest things in his life. Everything was at his fingertips, right? He was splendidly clothed in purple, right? To even have the dye 
purple in your clothes, right? You had to be extremely wealthy. That's why purple is associated with royalty because generally the only people who wore purple were those who were of royalty. So this guy was a, pl- and a person who was prominent. This guy had position. This guy had power. This guy had a platform. This guy had a voice. He was kind of like E.F. Hutton. When he spoke, everybody listened, right? He was one of those people. Some of you don't even know who E.F. Hutton is. I just realized that, but it's all right. Some of you are like, I don't know who that is, but go Google it. It was a commercial back in the day, I promise. I forget how old I am sometimes. The point is this. People looked to him. He was a person a position in the community. He was well-known. He had everything that you could possibly have. This guy's crazy rich. Now, here's a contrast. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would even come and lick his open sores. So here's a great contrast. You've got the rich guy who's got everything, and at his gate, there's this poor man. Now, here's what I want you to know here in just a second, okay? This has nothing to do, where they spend eternity has nothing to do with the amount of money they have or don't have. Okay, I want you to get that, right? Money, money is necessary. Money is needed, right? The scripture says this for the what? The love of money is the root of all evil. When it becomes your God, when it gets out of place, when it gets out of position, it can be a horrible thing, right? You think you have everything that you need, everything could ever want, but we know because what we believe about eternity is that this is only temporary. There comes something that lasts for eternity, and so we want to lay up our treasures in heaven where nothing will decay it or rust it or do away with it. So again, here's a poor guy laying at his gate, he doesn't even have health insurance, right? He can't go to the doctor. The, do- the, the dogs have to come and like lick his... That's how bad of a shape that he is in. He has no platform. He has no position. He's not well-liked. He's not well-thought-of in the community. I mean, he's the lowest of the low on the totem pole in the economic status among people. But listen to this, and here's the truth. No matter where you are in life, it doesn't matter if you have a lot or you have a little. This is the truth. Everybody's going to experience death. And there's a level playing field when it comes to that point in time. What you have in this life doesn't determine where you'll be. Your status in this life doesn't determine your status for eternity. These two guys... Different lives, completely contrasting one another. Finally, the poor man died, and he was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet, referring to heaven. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. He went to to hell. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. And again, Abraham being the the uh, the father of the nation of Israel right go back and read the book of Genesis in chapter 12 God established a covenant with Abraham that from you I'm going to birth a great nation some of you may remember that song back in the day father Abraham and many sons y'all want to sing it no let's not okay all right it's all right, good somebody was singing online I heard them right, so anyway but that's who is referring to and the rich man shouted in verse 24 father Abraham 
He says, have some pity on me. Apparently there was a gulf and he could see over to the other side. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But listen to what Abraham said to him. Son, remember that during your lifetime, in other words, we could say during your dash, during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides that, there is a great chasm separating. No one can cross over to you from there, from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, I want you to hear what he says right here, okay? He's in a very, very difficult predicament. He's in eternal uh, 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 suffering. And listen to what he says. The rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my, what did he say? Father's home, my family. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. And then the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent from the dead then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. So let me give you four things real quick that we can learn concerning hell from that. And I'm just going to give them to you quickly this morning. First and foremost, we know that the rich man was fully conscious and aware. In his suffering, in his pain, in his torment, here's what we know. Again, like what we talked about at the very beginning of week one, we're going to check out the accommodations. The rich man was fully conscious and aware. He has a memory of what's even going on. Like he's experiencing suffering, he's experiencing pain beyond physical, anything that he's ever encountered and he also has regret wishing he could go back but now he can't go back the second thing that we see concerning to what I just said is that the rich man's eternal destiny was irrevocably fixed in other words there was nothing that he could do to change that not anything he could do to change where he was couldn't do it. He couldn't reverse what it was. He just recognized that this was like it was going to be for him. Here's the third thing, and I find this interesting. Apparently, just when I read this, the rich man knew that his suffering was just and fair. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, what did he say? He's talking to Father Abraham. When most people find themselves, like when you hear people's story oftentimes or you hear people who are in bad circumstances, it's generally, I didn't do anything to deserve this. The rich man didn't say, hey, wait a minute, this must be a mistake, you know, you must, you, we, we, my name must have got crossed up with somebody else's. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. He doesn't say anything of that nature 
whatsoever. But what does he say? He said, at least, please go back. Go back and tell my family. I don't want any of my family to be here where I'm at. I can't change my lot in life, but please send somebody back to go and just tell my family, right? He knew that his suffering was just and fair, and that's what I want you to know. God will deal with each one fairly. You need to understand that. God will deal with each one fairly. He is just. He is righteous. He never complained about the injustice. He said, this hurts, this is bad, this is horrible. But he didn't say, this isn't fair. He said, God, go tell them. Send somebody, go tell them. And listen, Abraham said, well, they've got the, the prophets and the law of Moses. Like, they can read what they've said, right? They have an opportunity to hear God's word, God's truth, and he went on and said, listen, even if they, one was risen from the dead and went back, they still wouldn't repent. God went one step further, did he not? He gave his son Jesus. What did he do? He was crucified, died, buried. What happened? He raised from the dead. And there are still people who deny that truth. But when God gets a hold of your heart and you repent, God breathes life into you. Here's the fourth thing. And again, I've already said this, so, but if you're taking notes, you can write it down. This was the fourth thing. The rich man begged and pleaded for someone to help his brothers know Jesus. And here's the truth. There are so many people that we know that are on the wide road. Great people. Give you the shirt off their back but living without Jesus. Could it be that God has placed you in that circle, in that sphere, to lift up his name, his truth? Again, whether or not somebody believes, that's not on you and I. I can't save anybody. I can't change anybody's life. I can meet with people. I can pray with people. I can share truth with people. But unless you're willing to submit to the truth, unless you're willing to surrender to the truth, unless you're willing to repent, unless you're willing to humble yourself before the Lord, you'll never experience the grace and the goodness of God. You can hear about it. You can know about it. That's when Jesus was talking about and people would gather around. He would say things like this. He that has an ear, let him what? Hear. Because there's a lot of people who were there, but they didn't really hear what he was saying. He who has an ear, let him hear. If you're open and you're receptive and you allow the Holy Spirit to work and move in your heart and your life, he will bring you into relationship with the Father. And I get it. I know this is weighty. I know this is difficult to talk about. I know this is hard to digest and even in some aspects painful. But here's why I'm taking a Sunday to talk about this. Because I'm going to say it again. Because what we believe about eternity determines how we live today. That's why it's important. That's why it's important to have a good understanding that heaven is real, but hell is real. God is love, but yes, God is just. And we need to understand that God will deal fairly with all. He will deal fairly, righteously with all. And the truth of the matter is, is 
If you're here today and you're a believer and you're going to heaven one day, you know that, you believe that, you trust that, it's also a great reminder to remember we don't deserve that. Every day we need God's grace. Every day we need God's grace. So I'm telling you this, not to make you feel guilty, not to make you carry shame. Those are weapons of the enemy. But I believe the enemy attacks us, and one of the ways is to move people. If we could convince people that hell isn't real, then we would completely just live for today and forget why we're really here. If we could just convince ourselves that hell's not really real, then we just live for ourselves, do our own thing, and we forget why we're really here. Why are we here? Jesus said, the Great Commission, I love what Aaron said, it's not the great suggestion. If you remember, Aaron Small came with us. Wasn't the suggestion. Go tell the world. Preach and teach him. Jesus. Baptizing him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here. That's what God's called us to do. And my heart and my prayer is that we would be ready ourselves. That you know personally, first and foremost, that you have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't, then man, I encourage you to do that. Because listen, God's desire is for you to be a part of the family of God. What you believe about eternity truly affects how you live today. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your word. Lord, we're talking about difficult things, hard things, and sometimes it's difficult to reconcile in our heart.